Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. December 28th will mark the 25th anniversary of Starcade 97, the culmination of a year-long build where Sting would finally step back in the ring to face Hollywood Hulk Hogan for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. The stage was set for a main event to become immortalized in wrestling history. And it did, but for all the wrong reasons. And for the first time in over 20 years on that 25th anniversary, Eric Bischoff and Nick Patrick will reunite to watch back and discuss what really happened that night at the MCI Center in Washington, D.C. Hosted by Conrad Thompson, a topic that led to one of the most heated exchanges in the history of 83 weeks. And now you're going to act like it's ludicrous that we might think that that's what happened here when you managed to f*** up the single biggest moment in the history of wrestling. And now, 20 years later, you get on here and lie through your f***ing teeth and say it's because he wasn't tan. I'm not lying through much teeth. You finished over a tan? Is this real? Ad-free shows presents a premium watch-along event, The Fast Count, with Eric Bischoff and Nick Patrick. December 28th, 10 p.m. Eastern, immediately following AEW Dynamite. All $29 level members and higher are invited to join, and Top Guy members will be able to ask Eric and Nick questions about this controversial night in wrestling. No spray tan necessary. Sign up today and reserve your spot at adfreeshows.com. Cold as a razor blade, as tight as a tourniquet, like the skin on a dying man. I don't want a piece of the world. I want the whole world. I make my own rules. Because it's much easier that way. Trust me. What's up, everybody? This is Marcus D'Angelo, and this is The Snake Pit with Jake Roberts. And, of course, we could not do it without the man himself, the pop culture icon, Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm smoking hot today, buddy. I'm ready to beat my chest and scream, man. I'm going to dig talking about this Mid-South stuff. Man, it is a fun topic. And, you know, ordinarily we try to do things where it's, you know, it happened on the calendar, but you brought this idea up and it's like, man, we cannot resist this. It's we're talking about Mid-South wrestling and particularly one night in June and a little encounter with the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. Absolutely, man. You know, the reason this all happened is because JYD had left Mid-South and it left a great need for a black superstar. Well, Bill Watts tried turning Butch Reed babyface. That did not work. Uh, he tried a couple other guys. Then he wound up trying Brickhouse Brown briefly. And then he wound up hooking up with a guy called the Snowman. Cannot wait to talk to you about the Snowman. Oh, my God. Snowman was a great guy, but my God, let's just say he wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. Well, and there's some controversy with him uh, in in the the Jarrett territory in Memphis, which we won't get oh. into too much, uh, but because we're we're gonna stick with Mid South in this time period. But really, before we can do much of yeah. anything, Jake, I, I think we need to kind of do a little build up for Muhammad Ali and and his crossover into pro wrestling as as a whole. Absolutely. You know, the story of boxing and wrestling intermingling is it's pretty fascinating overall, uh, because not only do you get a lot of intersecting stories, but there's also you you see how much each sport has helped each other over the years where one is one is kind of supporting the other. Um, And we'll we'll get into that. Are you a boxing fan, Jake? Yeah, sure. Aren't we all? I mean, uh, there's only two real sports left. Let's face it. It's not boxing. and It's not wrestling. It's roller derby and synchronized swimming. That's all that's left that's totally real. Everything else, predetermined. Even football? Oh, God, yeah. Are you kidding me? Dallas Cowboys could not have looked that bad 
<laughs> this past weekend. Man, they, they must have been trying to oh uh, to make it interesting. Huh? Somebody I think... must have put some uh, something in their cereal or something, man. I don't know, man. It was horrible. I, I think Jerry Jones just likes stressing people to fuck out, including me, man. Because that was, man, the, let me tell you, that last-minute victory. So this is actually going to be dropping on the 27th. So this right. happened weeks ago as people is are it really hearing it. Is Jerry Jones or is it Jim Jones? Jim? Yeah. <laughs> is that the guy with the Kool-Aid? Absolutely. I think he gave them some bad Kool-Aid, man. <laughs> so Something happened. Let's hope they can pull the nose up by the time we're hearing this on the 27th. But uh, when you were when you were growing up, yeah. Jake, w- were there any boxers or that really that you liked or that stood out to you? Oh God, yeah! I was growing up, man. It was Cassius Clay, bro. Muhammad Ali himself. Everybody hated him. You know, at the time, he wasn't a babyface; he was a heel. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, everybody wanted to see him get his ass whipped, but it just didn't happen. And he just kept running his mouth, and more than he ran his mouth the more people hated that son of a bitch. I'm glad you brought that up because oh, that's yeah. that, that's a big part of this crossover between wrestling and boxing. Um, uh, let's let's set the stage a little bit. Uh, Muhammad Ali uh, rose to prominence in the 60s and 70s, uh, and he became this hugely recognized athlete all across the world. He had this brash attitude and flashy style that people were really drawn to. And Jake, Dominic is going to pull up this picture from uh, 1965. This oh, iconic yeah. picture of, of Ali standing over Sonny Liston would have been taken around the time you were 10 years old. Yeah, the punch that nobody saw. Which is just a wild story. Uh, so yeah. if, you're un- if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, it didn't. It looked like nobody touched Sonny Liston. Uh, he fell down, and that Muhammad Ali isn't taunting him. He's telling him to get up and fight him like a man. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's a really iconic, strange photo and a strange time in boxing where they were fixing matches, which sounds yeah, familiar, right? Very unfortunate that Sonny Liston died a few months later in an alley in Philadelphia full of heroin. Certainly makes you wonder. Mm, wonder what happened. I fall down. That didn't work for us. <laughs> Certainly makes you wonder. Do you remember a lot of this stuff with Muhammad Ali as you were growing up, seeing him rise oh, yeah. to prominence? Oh, yeah. Sure do, man. I mean, hell, everybody did. Howard Cosell, one of the greatest announcers of all time, would, you know, he, he brought Ali up to the front because him and Cosell would get in these arguments and stuff, man, and they were just golden to listen to. Oh, my God, Ali can talk some crap, boy. He could, and you know it's it's. And he sad. backed it up. That so that's got to be what was the most frustrating thing for his opponents was he would talk all this shit, and then it's like he can't do anything about yeah, it. I remember him just beating Jerry Quarry half to death, man. <laughs> I mean, he beat him half to death. The only one that stood up to him and and went the went the went the distance was uh, oh my God from New Jersey. Oh God Almighty, um, the Bayonne no. Brawler. Uh, Chuck, Chuck Webner. Chuck Webner. Yeah. Chuck, Chuck Webner, man. And he's a good cat. Well, you've met Chuck? Oh, yeah. I met Chuck. Met the policeman around him. It seems that back in the day, if a fight broke out in the bar, the police would go by Chuck's house and grab him and take him up there and let him beat the shit out of him. <laughs> that dude was nothing to piss with. And actually, oh, I've got no, a, I've got a little footnote on him here in the notes coming up. So, so we'll get there. Um, so Ali says that in 1961, he met professional reg- wrestler Gorgeous George, who he yeah. really, really liked. Yeah. And Gorgeous George apparently told him something to the effect of, look, fans are going to pay. When you talk a bunch of shit, fans are going to pay to come see you win because they, they like you and they, they think it's fun. Or they're going to come pay to watch you get your ass kicked. It doesn't uh, matter what they're there for. As long as they're as in the building. As long as they come, man. It's pretty incredible to see these professional wrestling tactics employed yeah. by somebody in in uh, what's considered a legitimate sport. Yeah, absolutely. Dusty Rhodes influenced him a lot too. Yeah, yeah. A it's. Uh, I, I think that he and Dusty actually influenced each other. And I was reading yeah, about absolutely. how they were supposed to have a match at the Orange Bowl at one point that got scrapped. Which wow. is man, what a what could have been that is. That would have been something, man. So uh, this attitude of Ali's, it would go on to change the face of not just boxing, but now MMA and, and this notion of drumming up business by manufacturing personal issues between opponents who you really don't have a personal issue with. You're just doing it for the sake of getting people in yeah, the building. Out of the blue, man. I mean, that's whenever he was taking his uh, his uh, bus and pulling it up in front of people's houses and, and getting on the loudspeaker, telling them to come outside and fight. 
drove the guys crazy, man. They couldn't believe this guy was doing this stuff. You know, in, in today's boxing or MMA, you know, that kind of thing is pretty commonplace, especially with sure. the, of the internet. But now, like back then, that shit just was not happening. Oh, it didn't happen at all, man. Right. There was this people kind of mutual him, respect. People wanted him arrested. People wanted him killed. People wanted him everything, man. They wanted him charged and thrown in jail. And he just kept talking crap, man. Him and Boondini Brown, who was his handler. Well, and and he was there in the in the uh, Superdome with you. Absolutely, man. We'll get there. Uh, Jake, were you familiar with Gorgeous George's work at all? I know he passed away long before you got in the yeah, business. But I, I think every wrestler, well, from my day, knew who Gorgeous George was. You know, and uh, got most respect for him. And uh, he was a showman. He was before his time, way before his time. If he come along now, he'd just be another guy. Yep. You know? Except well, he'd carry it off so damn well, he'd be he'd be the main event. <laughs> he's he's a guy who in, inspired guys like uh, the nature boy, Buddy Rogers, who then went right. on to, of course, in, inspire another famous nature boy. So, again, yeah. interesting. All these, Buddy Landell, yeah. Um, you know well, so, Buddy Landell? Buddy Landell. Of course, yeah. Buddy Landell, yeah. That's what I was talking about. That man was a character. Yes, sir. He was. Um, uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, uh, just to put things in full context, too, uh, this was happening right in the middle of the civil rights movement in America. So yeah. 19 uh, late 50s to uh, mid to late 60s. So yeah. for, for as many fans, crazy. a crazy time. And for as many fans as there were out there clamoring to see Ali succeed, there were just as many who wanted to see this. Oh, outspoken. Yeah. It, was, it was black versus white. That's you it. Know, no doubt about it, man. I mean. The blacks loved Ali because he was kicking everybody's ass and, and would stand up and talk shit. And they loved that. And the white man hated it because that black man was running his mouth. And I loved it because I just thought it was funnier than shit. And I was just a kid, though, you know. Uh, right. He was made for professional wrestling, was he not? He's oh, using yeah, it to absolutely. his advantage. Absolutely. Well, let's let's make a quick jump to 1976. We were in the 60s. Let's move on to the 70s. It was yeah. the year Ali uh, had his infamous match with Inoki, but uh, before he made it there, he actually had a few warm ups. First, he uh, stepped into the into the ring with the guy I know you know, Gorilla Monsoon, yeah. Vince Senior's WWWF, uh, and he even took an airplane spin from Monsoon. Yeah, uh, Jake, what what do you think about the uh, just the concept fundamentally of combining wrestling and boxing? I think it's great, man. It's entertainment. Come on. That's all it is. Hell, you know, if it was real, neither one of them would be in it. it, it the only people in it would be, you know, Haku and uh, people like that. You know? <laughs> I've heard it said that uh, if wrestling was a shoot, Haku would still be undefeated. That's right. It is true, <laughs> brother. I can tell you some Haku stories. Woo-wee. <laughs> well, we'll save it for another episode. Yeah, but... buddy. Uh, for right now, uh, I haven't heard you talk much about Monsoon, period. Uh, do you have any stories on him at all? I love Gorilla, man. You know, of course, by the time I got to WWE, he was, wasn't quite the man he used to be. Um, Sugar Diabetes had done quite a job on him. And, mm-hmm. uh, his son, Joy, Joy Morella, was a great referee, and we lost him too. But, uh, yeah, Gorilla was great. I got along with him wonderfully. Uh He'd say what he thought, you know, even if Vince didn't like it, he'd still say it. And one of the few people that did that. Man, just a one of a kind character. And to your point, I've heard other referees, actually, I believe Mike Chioda uh, once told me that he feels that Joey Morello was the best referee there ever yeah. was. Maybe, maybe. What a shame, gone way too soon. Um, yeah. Ali would go on, he would go on to work a couple uh, uh worked warm up matches with the AWA, uh, before heading off to Japan for a match with Inoki. Yeah, uh, buddy. apparently, Ali was paid somewhere in the neighborhood of six million dollars for the match. Uh, but unfortunately, it was considered a farce by most. Involved. Oh, yeah, it was horrible, man. You watched it, yeah, that weird. Like convoluted rules, they didn't know if it was a work or a shoot until like a day before. Uh, just like such a weird, weird that's situation. Well, that's Japan for you. Well, they, I, they love their secrets. 
<laughs> I will say, uh, the, an estimated 1.4 billion people watched this match worldwide. So regardless of the quality of the match or how things turned out, I mean, that's got to be the best exposure professional wrestling has ever had, right? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So maybe to this day. I can't say for sure, but holy smokes. That's quite 1. a brainstorm. Whoever come up with that is it knocked it out of the park, man, as far as a great idea, but just didn't pay off, man. I know he passed away uh, not too long ago, a little bit earlier this year. Uh, did you ever spend any time around him? Yeah. yeah. I ran him out of the locker room with a snake, Tokyo. <laughs> sure as hell did. <laughs> we got to hear that one. Oh, man. I chased him in the locker room. When I came in, he told me to get out. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not getting out. Take the snake. Go, 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 go. And he's putting, he's having, grabbing guys and pulling them in front of him, right? So I just tossed the snake over the top of him, you know, <laughs> landed on a Nokia and he sprinted out of the locker room, man. <laughs> Why is he trying to kick you out? He hated that snake, I guess. Oh, okay. It was all about the I'm, snake. I'm not think you. About it, I haven't been invited back since. <laughs> so, so first it's Arsenio won't have you back. Then it's then it's like, okay. Yeah, I'm bad about burning bridges, man. I don't burn them, I nuke them. <laughs> well, I'm seeing a common thread with the snake here. Yeah. Um, I didn't here's the snake jumped out of my hands. Yeah, what can you do? I, I Bring, it. Bring Jake back to Japan. We're going to start a hashtag. No, movement. no. <laughs> God, no. Well, I did want to note, too, and <coughs> you brought him up earlier, so here's a, a fascinating note about the significance of this match between Inoki and Ali, is uh, Vince Sr. drew 32,000 people to Shea Stadium to watch a closed-circuit broadcast of Ali and Inoki as the main event. Yeah. But live for the undercard was Chuck Wepner versus yep. Andre the Giant. And so, Chuck Wepner told me all about that. Oh, did he? Yep. What did he have to say about working with well, Andre? It was a work, you know, and they discussed it. And Webner said that he just couldn't resist throwing one good one in. He wanted to see if he could get him. He wanted to see if he could knock the giant out. How'd it go? I guess not great. He, he said he fucking hit him. He said the next thing he knew, he was up in the air, and then he landed in the sixth row. <laughs> Andre tossed him into the crowd. <laughs> well, he learned. He wanted to yeah. try it. <laughs> yeah, he was a great guy to boy to be hang out with. Talk to Webner. I really enjoyed, man. We're going to talk about him a little bit more because this match. Yeah, is... I had to stop him from kicking Hercules Hernandez's ass. Really? Yeah, he's going to whip on, whip Hernandez's ass, man. You know, a lot of people would look at a guy like Chuck Webner. He's he's in good shape. He's you know you can tell he's he's an athlete, but Hercules was just a monster of a man. But uh, Chuck, I'm sure Chuck Webner could have handled him very easily. One punch. Yep. Well, do you want to tell the story about what happened between those two? Oh, man. Well, Hercules come into the bar. Yeah, I know. It's a shocking. I was in a bar at the time. And I was in there with Webner, and there's a lot of fans in there, and we kind of got pushed together, you know. And we bumped into each other. And when I did, Hercules, you know, he stayed true to the business. Fuck you, Jake Roberts. I'll whip your ass right now, goddammit. Raise your hands. I'll knock you fucking out. And Webner said, let me handle this, Jake. And I'm like, oh, fuck, no, 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 no. It's just, he's just playing, man. Take it easy. Take it easy. No, no, I want to knock that son of a bitch out. He don't come over here fucking talking shit like that to me. He wasn't talking oh, to you, Chuck. He was talking to me. Well, it looked like he was talking to me. And then it was, nobody interrupts the guy that I'm talking to. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and guess that Hercules <coughs> did a, an about face and got the hell out of there. Yeah, he did. He did. He was smart. He was I don't. Smart. I don't blame him. Well, look. If uh, if our listeners don't know who Chuck Webner is, do yourself a favor. They did a really cool documentary on him on ESPN. Uh, Chuck Webner was uh, a liquor salesman, but he was also kind of a mid level boxer, and he actually knocked Ali down the year prior to wow. uh, in, in 1975. The year prior to this match with Anoki, he went um, 15 rounds with Ali. He did. And went the distance. And does that sound familiar? It should, because that's the story of Rocky. That's, that's it, man. That's where it all come from. And Chuck Wepner was the man that, that uh, Sylvester Stallone was inspired by. But here's yeah. what's really cool about this, Jake, is that this match with Andre the Giant also inspired Stallone in Rocky Three. Yep. For the Thunderlips scene. Thunderlips scene, man. So the, a all match. All ties together. 
a match that that resulted they wouldn't have had this match if it wasn't for Ali and Inoki and now they have this match Stallone sees it sees uh Wepner as you said get thrown into uh the the crowd and the exact same thing happened in Rocky 3 uh and that was Hulk Hogan's big break so had it not been for Ali and Inoki in theory there may not have been a Hulkamania there you got that right (sighs) pretty that that was a boost there bro absolutely wild absolutely wild these kind of interweaving stories pretty incredible jake uh we've we've talked about him a few times on this podcast you cannot do any better than jimmy's famous seafood or uh, really any of their food it's unbelievable man i love going there i mean when the when the plane lands i get the rental car straight there straight there don't skip a minute man because you might need to go to the gym you might need to go get a shot to save your life but if you go to jimmy's you won't need that shot everything else will work out because once you eat there brother you're gonna be so happy and feel so good oh my god they're incredible man each time i go i'm just blown away dude thank god i don't live in baltimore because i'd weigh 400 pounds no uh, shit. So did I. Spend half my monthly income on Jimmy's. They're just that damn good. Uh, you know, they make they, really are. they make the best crab cakes, soups, chatters, oysters, signature steaks. They've got desserts. They've got gluten-free items. Uh, they've been in business for over 40 years, and there's a damn good reason. It's because they're amazing. They've been featured on diners, uh, dine-ins and drives, uh, Beat Bobby Flay and more. And uh, Jake, our you listeners. You don't even have to go there now. You can order it. They'll ship it to you. That's it. That's the best part of this whole thing. They ship it nationwide. And guess yeah. what, guys? We're going to give you the hookup. If all you have to do is spend $125 there. You get free two-day shipping when you use the promo code SNAKE. Jimmy'sFamousSeafood.com. You know, what could be better than having a gift box or a bundle oh of this God. fine cuisine delivered oh right to your God. house? I can't they- believe they're shipping it. Uh, dude, it's incredible. They've, they've got the famous gift box. It includes four of the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes, two different crab soups, crab dip, seafood seasoning, and their si- signature base sauce. You can try the tailgate bundle. Hey, man, what could be better on Super Bowl Sunday than ordering this? And you'll be the oh king of, of the Super Bowl party, right? Oh, my God. Stop it. I'm hungry. <laughs> so, uh, this tailgate bundle has two pounds of wings, a full rack of barbecue ribs, a pint of crab dip. <laughs> crab, crab cake mix hey look better yet you can create your own box and get everything you want so look guys again just go to jimmysfamousseafood.com the promo code is snake that's s-n-a-k-e and you can get free two-day shipping across the nation that's wow. one more time jake that's jimmysfamousseafood.com and the promo code is snake i can't imagine how many wrestlers have went there i, I guess probably 300 how many payoffs has been blown to Jimmy's? Right? Uh, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. All right. We're going to move on to 1985 and the build toward our subject today. So uh, earlier in the year, Ali appeared as a guest referee at WrestleMania 1. Uh, and his old enemy, Gorilla Monsoon, was on the call as Ali stood ringside for Hogan and Mr. T versus Piper and Orndorff. Um, here's an interesting note and something that's going to play into a, a story that I think you're going to be telling here in a little bit. During the match, Piper takes a shot from Ali and tumbles out of the ring. Now, this is notable. This is notable because Piper pretty famously stated that he was not interested in selling much for Mr. T because the next day T would be back in Hollywood on the A-team set and Piper would still be in the WWF. But in the meantime, he's perfectly happy to sell for Ali. So we're going to reveal why that's ironic here in a few well, minutes. Sometimes, it's, you, sometimes you don't have a choice. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well I, th- I think a guy like Ali could probably make you sell if you wanted to. Yeah, maybe probably, not. probably make you wake up in the hospital if you, if you wanted to. Well, uh, I'll tell you you this. From my experience, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what happened. If that's all right, is that all right with you? Yes, sir. Let's lay it out. Well, you know, Bill Watts has been trying to make all these guys, and it wasn't happening. So he finally had to settle for the snowman, which he was incredibly built, but uh, not not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Let's just say that, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had a hell of a body, though. And he was a little slow at doing things. But anyway... You got to do what you got to do. So Bill decided the best thing to happen would be 
Jake would get him over in the Superdome. And of course, I had my tag team partner and my second, who was John Nord, all 320 pounds of him. The future berserker? Yeah, future berserker. He was going to be at ringside with me. So Snowman had to go out and get somebody to be at ringside for him. And when he came up with Ali, everybody went apeshit crazy. Muhammad Ali is going to be there and he's going to be in his corner. Bundini Brown is going to be with him. Oh my God. Of course, Ernie Ladd wasn't far behind either. And uh, we went into the Superdome, man. We're going for the, I believe it was a TV title. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. And uh, of course, I was the champ. Imagine that, me having a belt. That's a weird concept. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) somebody should have tried that. That didn't happen very often. No, it didn't. So anyway, we get in the match and we get it going and we get it hot and heavy. And all of a sudden the referee gets knocked down. When that happens, I'm telling I'm telling Ali to get his dumb ass up or I'll knock his ass out. And me and Berserker start doubling up on uh, on Snowman. Well, I see I see Ali coming up. And I go over there to get him. Whenever I go over there to get him, he nails me with one. <sighs> and I took it, you know, but I didn't mm-hmm. go down. Did not go down. Berserker came over. He nailed Berserker. Berserker flew across the ring. All 320 pounds of him. I went back. Boom, he nailed me again. I did not go down. Did not go down. Berserker came back, took another one. Boom, flying across the ring. I go back and I get the third one. He nails me with that third one. And by luck, when he hit me, it spun me around right into the snowman who caught me and did the power slam. Beat me one, two, three. Lucky sons of bitches. <laughs> Man, the, the fact that uh, you, you were saying as a kid, here you were a Cassius Clay fan, and yeah, now, now, now you're face-to-face. I just face took three shots from him. And, and, and remained standing. The worst was not to come. There was... When I get back to the locker room, Bill Watts catches me as I come in the door and he's chewing my ass, cussing me like a sailor, man, calling me everything in the book. I mean, he went off on me, spitting all over me when he's talking, that fat bastard. Anyway, he finally lets me go and Ali comes into the locker room. Well, now I'm wondering if Ali's gonna be pissed. And Ali come up, put his hand out. I shook his hand and he pulled me in close. He said, you're a very smart young man. I'll be gone tomorrow. You'll be here next week. I understand. You're a very smart young man. You're very smart. He respected what I did. How about that? He respected it. It really filled my heart. Fuck you, Bill Watts. From my heart. (laughs) (laughs) From me to you, pal. Yeah. All day long from my heart. Man, so we're gonna be watching that here in a little bit. Your, oh, your, let's uh, watch it, your interaction with Ali. So we're gonna we're gonna get there. Uh, I just think it's really incredible that Piper was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll bump for Ali, but I'm not doing it for Mr. T. You oh, don't you don't bump for Ali." And then afterwards, he comes to you and says essentially what Piper said yeah. about T. Like, "Hey, look, I'll be gone tomorrow." So yeah, absolutely, man. They got it. It wasn't man. a big deal. Just just incredible. Um, what did you think about Piper's stance not to do anything for Mr. T? Do you think it's apples and oranges here? I think it was wrong. You know, it wouldn't have hurt him to take a bump or something, you know. It's not like but, T was a small man. He was pretty jacked up. Yeah, he was jacked up. He looked better than Piper did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, know? you see the, the size comparison. Piper's certainly taller, but, man, T's yeah. got all the muscle. He's got all the muscle and got legs, too. <laughs> yes, sir. So, all right, it's uh, Ali was at WrestleMania, and now yeah. here we are. It's, it's, I think it's less than two months later, uh, and he's in Mid South. Yeah. So, Bill Watts clearly was drawing inspiration from the WWF. He's tearing a oh, page out of the book, right? Well, desperate men do desperate things, man. <laughs> Bill Watts seen the writing on the wall. He's seen the WWF is going to come through there and just wipe up everything. So, he was trying to throw anything out there to hold on to his fan base. And what was your relationship like with Bill at the time? Shit. I know it's so I know it's it wasn't good by 92. He really screwed you out of something, which we'll talk about something. It was never my relationship with Bill. Oh, God, there he is. There he is. The cowboy. I 
don't get me wrong. I respect the man for what he can teach you about wrestling. But as far as a human being, he was ugly, racist, bully, bastard. And it was like that between you and he from the start where he was just... It was like that between him and everybody. So he didn't get along with anyone. No. Everybody hated that fucker. I've heard a lot of people refer to him as a bully. and Yeah. so here you are. You're you're a second generation wrestler. I know he, he had respect for your father. Uh, that didn't prevent him from giving you shit. Oh, he disrespected my father right up in the open. Wow. He disrespected Ernie Ladd. Unbelievable. Called Ernie Ladd words that I won't say. Oh you my know goodness. Know what word I'm talking about? Yeah. He well, openly called him that. That is awful. Well, it was, and he knew because he knew Ernie Ladd couldn't do anything about it because Ernie had to have the job. You know, Ernie was a big man himself. Why? Six why, nine. Why do you think he didn't catch on with Vince? He was in such bad shape. Ah, uh, his knees were gone, man. His oh, knees, I gotcha. His knees were like that big around. So by 1985, his, his leg was this big around, but his knees were this big around. My goodness, it was just massive bone chips and crap. He'd had like a, nine or eleven knee surgeries. Wow, you know, because back in those days they didn't care about cut back chop chop blocks. Mm-hmm. They just come into the side of a guy's knees, man, take his freaking knees out. Yeah, for reference, for anybody who's not familiar with Ernie Ladd before wrestling, before he got into wrestling, he was an NFL player and a good one. Yes, sir. San um, Diego Chargers. Yep. And so it's probably by the time he got into wrestling, he had bad knees and it just yeah. made him worse. And so here he is, a, still a relatively young man by 1985. But uh, yeah. to, to Jake's point, what are you going to do in Vince's territory if he can't work? You know, I, I met the guy that recruited him to go to Grambling. And he said, that the guy said he flew from Monroe, Louisiana to Grambling, I mean, to, to, to Houston. And, but they were going to have to take a bus back because Ernie was too big for the plane. <laughs> it was a little small <laughs> plane. He said it's the only time he ever recruited somebody and had to stop and get more money because he was eating so damn much. <laughs> because Ernie was from a huge family of like 11 kids. And he said, you had to get in there quicker. You didn't get nothing. Wow. And finally, he's able to eat everything he wants. They said that when he was in the college, the only t- if you wanted to find him, go to the mess hall. Because that's where he'd be, just sitting in there eating, eating man, all day long. A guy his size, too, six foot nine. That was, oh it takes God. a lot of food to keep that man running. 350 pounds, man. Good Lord. I'm uh, going to quite a bit. So I, I did want to ask you too before we get off of uh, off of Bill Watts. Do you have any uh, specific stories about interactions or like issues that you had had with him back then? Were you were you pushing back or at this point no, you were you just trying to be a good employee? No, I just kept my mouth shut, and my hands raised, and my head down. Probably a safe yeah. bet and a smart move to stay in business, right? Yeah, man. I mean, gosh, this guy holds he holds your paycheck in his hand, man, and. Uh, you know, people don't realize how tough those days were. And if you started moving your way up the card, then you don't want to go back down the card, you know? And all it takes is a pencil and an eraser, and you can go from making 1500 a week to making 700 a week. Now, that was good money then. Were you under contract? No, you don't have no contracts. Are you kidding me? So you're just an independent contractor, just yeah, brother, hoping for the best. When... Gave you. The only guarantee we had was we could not make less than $40 per night. Wow. And there's a lot of nights I made $40. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can see why you had issues with him. Um, but I, he clearly respected you to some degree because, or at least respected your skill set because here you are, you're about to be in this very high profile position. Oh, yeah. Well, he's seen, he's seen a way to make a buck off of me. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like other people. <laughs> if they can make a buck off of you, they're going to use you up, you know. It's not like he did me a favor or anything. I mean, Doing himself a favor. He saw the skills. He did himself yet. a favor, and he knew that I could get in there and make and make Snowman look good. Mm-hmm. You know, I would do the right shit to make Snowman look good, and I did. But the only problem was the next guy that had him didn't, and he flopped. 
He flopped like a big, huge fart, man. <laughs> and he was done. Well, it takes somebody with a lot of skill to carry somebody who's who's less oh, skilled. Yeah. And Absolutely, there's, man. There's not Absolutely. a lot of ring technicians around. No. No. In those days there were, but not anymore. Uh, would Bill have been the first one to come to you with the Ali idea, or would that have been Jim Ross? It was Ali. Ali no, it, came to it you. Was, no, it was... Um, You know, it may have been Jim Ross tell me that first. He was uh, Bill Watts' right-hand man in those days. Yeah, he was, man. He's done a phenomenal job. I love JR to death, man. And went on to have himself a, a pretty decent career, right? Yeah, he's done all right. He's done okay and still doing okay there with AEW. He's still uh, scooping a few beans. <laughs> We're going to bring Jim Ross up here in a few minutes before we get there. Um, do you have any details on how the deal was put together? Were you staying no, away I from the office? No, I have no idea, man. Are you kidding? I, I, do know, I am pretty sure of one thing. Mm-hmm. Ali made more than me. I, I, you know what? I think that's probably a safe bet. I would, I would venture to guess. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know. <laughs> I would venture to guess that Watts gave him more than forty. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably more than forty thousand. <laughs> so God, that hurts to say it. God Almighty! What? Well, I, and... I think I got like twenty five hundred for the match or something. My goodness. Ali probably got seventy five thousand. Well, you know, nine years earlier, he's getting paid six million for a wrestling appearance. Yeah, so, you absolutely. know, maybe maybe Watts got off easy. Yeah, he did. <laughs> well, well, so I mean, he's spending all this money, and clearly, he sees what happened at WrestleMania one. He's trying to jump on this train, this this pop culture cross. He, he was absolutely desperate at the time because he needed that black superstar. He, JYD was gone. Yeah, he realized that if you're going to have a great show in Louisiana or Mississippi or Arkansas, Southern Arkansas, you've got to have a black superstar. You just got to have it. And Bill Watts got spoiled for all those years that JYD was there. Cause as long as JY was there, man, money was rolling in. Yep. Uh, for, for those of you that don't have a frame of reference on that, JYD was like in, in that territory. Uh, celebrity yeah. like El- Elvis level celebrity. Yeah, absolutely, man. We Everybody always rode them. together, and it was just insane, insane. One day, uh, you and I are going to talk at length about JYD because I'm sure you've got some absolutely fucking oh wild God. stories. Yeah, something I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll keep think, it on. I, I think the statute of limitations are out on most of them, but anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll be careful. Yeah, absolutely, uh, man. I do want to note, too, and we're about to start the match here in a few minutes, but before we do, so Mid-South would go national uh, a year later and become the UWF, and then yeah. two years later, he's selling the, the territory to JCP, and that's all she wrote. Um, so, I mean, Watts is trying this stuff. When you're seeing that, him bringing in, like, Ali, are you optimistic? Like, okay, this might bring it the territory no. around. You no. knew it was done. It was done, man. It was done. You know... Vince having national television coverage and, and going around and raping all the territories, taking all their superstars. And the reason he is able to take them is because the sub bitches weren't being paid. You know? So at least the pressure of him coming around, it was causing Bill Watts to loosen the purse strings a little bit, uh-huh. but not near enough, man. Are you kidding me? We're driving 2,500, 3,000 miles a week. You know, you drive 250, 300 miles to the show, wrestle and drive 300 miles back. Oh. That's a nice day's work. And being in a car, maybe yeah, getting... 600 miles. Oh, you know, the wrestling is hard. Sitting down yeah. for 300 miles yeah. in a car is hard, especially for a man your size. Yeah, and then trying to get out of the car <laughs> when you got home. My God, man, there's sometimes I'd have to roll out on the ground and then help myself to my feet just to get back up on my feet, man, because my back would have froze up while we were in the car, you know. But uh, You got a fresh couple Jacksons in your pocket for your trouble. Yeah, buddy. What do you <laughs> fucking do? Stop at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's worth it. Brother, I can't tell you that I mean, about the worst times I had were in Tennessee. And they didn't have a $40 guarantee. They had a $20 guarantee. Mm. 
sometimes they didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah, man, I've made $15 for a match before. Good sure Lord. did. And you know what we did? We Four of us got in the car. We stopped at the grocery store. We went in and got a big, thick thing of bologna, mm-hmm. a loaf of bread. And we got a six-pack of beer to split between four people. Because <laughs> so, that's all the money we had. So, so wait, there's two extra beers. Who do those go to at the end of that? The driver. Yeah, that's that's only you gotta right. Make sure he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, when you were getting ready to go into the match, did anybody make it clear to you that they wanted you to, to bump for Ali? Because you said Watts was enraged, right? Yeah. No, that was a given. Okay. It was just everybody yeah. knew that, okay, he's going to bump when Ali. Yeah, everybody it. knows that. And everybody was right except for me. <laughs> and I was right, too. Because you the were. next week, the next week, I was back in New Orleans, and I was the main event. I was getting a return title match against the Snowman. Uh, who who came out on top in that one? Right. So, if I'd have flown for him, what would I've had left? Nothing. I got knocked out by Ali, and slammed, but slammed by a Snowman. And you gotta unless- say something. And in less than a year, you found yourself in the in the WWF. So I yeah. think I think uh, you took the right path, Jake. It worked um, out for me. All right, we got a video. It's a little bit over five minutes, and we're gonna cue that up right now. Um, I'll probably do a couple more questions as we watch. A few more after, and we'll call it quits. What a matchup! Jake the Snake Roberts against the Snowman. Muhammad Ali was there. Bill Watts describes the action. Ladies and gentlemen, Cowboy Bill Watts here from the floor of the Superdome, and it's pandemonium as you see the man, Muhammad Ali, making a triumphant return for the first time since September of 1978 when he set history to become the only man to regain the world's heavyweight boxing title for the third time, and he defeated Leon Sphinx. And there you see the Barbarian and Jake the Snake waiting in the ring because Ali's here for Are you feeling tense when, when Ali's coming to the ring, or are you, you loose, feeling good? Oh, I'm feeling good, man. I'm having fun. So at this point, you've, you've been in wrestling since uh, the late '70s. It's now it's 1985. I'm sure you've been around a lot of celebrities. Yeah. Uh, were you kind of were you still enchanted by celebrities? Oh at all, sure, or? yeah. Especially him. Are you kidding me? Hard not to be. Yeah, I mean, even today I would be mouth open, wondering what he's going to say, just to hear what he had to say, man. I mean, I'd give it anything to spend time with that man. There's Ernie Ladd. Ernie Ladd, there's there's Snowman. There's Snowman. So, I mean, with JYD gone, you can kind of see why Watts gravitated toward the Snowman. He's a big jacked up dude. He looks good. He's got style. But uh, to your point, I I saw an interview with him as I was doing research for this, and there was not a lot under the hood. No. No. I don't think it was an eight cylinder. <laughs> I will say I'm I'm a little shocked to uh, have seen that he never caught on with Vince. You know he's he's got he's a big muscular guy, and you know Vince was taking big muscular guys without a lot of skill and putting a mouthpiece with with him. So kind of weird. I don't, that, I don't know that Snowman would have had the the wear all together to make the road trips and stuff. Oh really? Yeah, I just don't think he could have done it, man. You don't think his heart was in the business, really? Uh, I don't think his mind was carrying. Ah, I got you. You know, airports, to hotels, to rental cars, to, you know. So, uh, ahead of this match, what was your first interaction like with Ali? Uh, I didn't talk to him. At all? At all. Did you see him backstage? No. Bill Watts was like that, man. The heels and baby faces had to keep away from each other. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. We didn't get to talk in the locker rooms. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's brilliant, isn't it? uh, It doesn't seem like a good plan. And then he's mad when things don't turn out the way that he wants it to. Yeah. If if you had seen him beforehand and uh, he had asked you to bump on the punch, would you have? Oh, absolutely. The right thing to do. Absolutely. Well, I don't want to piss you off. You know, and, and to be quite honest, I was expecting to get one. Yeah? Yeah, I kind of thought he might just go ahead and give me one since I don't, but we're going to see. 
I was going to ask you that. So uh, we're going to see it here at the end of the match. Uh, you take a couple punches from him. And after the first one, I was like, okay, the second one, he's going to he's gonna fucking bring it because uh, Jake didn't sell enough for it. Yeah, I was kind of holding my breath, hoping he did. <laughs> well, I, I told you that we were going to bring up Jim Ross again, and here's why. I was listening to his podcast a little bit, uh, an older episode where he had actually talked about this moment. Mm-hmm. And he said that he felt that uh, you were maybe hesitant to work with Ali uh, for fear that he wouldn't know how to prop- properly work a punch. Is there any truth to that? No. I didn't really think so. It's I didn't care whether, whether, you know, whether he knocked me out or not, man. If he knocked me out, he knocked me out. So it'd make for some good TV, right? Yeah, damn straight, bro. He kicked out of the DDT. That's the only thing that pissed me off that I had to do. So that was told to you before the match. So oh, yeah. Kicked out. Yeah. Let him kick out of the DDT. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Is he the only person ever to kick out? Not as far as him and Taker. Wow. Um, afterwards, you said you had a little interaction with Ali. Uh, were you doing yeah. like, hey, can I have a photo? Can I have a pic- an autograph, no, anything like no, that? No, no. Yeah. Was that just uh, unspoken? You don't do that back in those days? No, you don't do that out of respect. All right, here we go. Let's track it a little bit, Dom, if you don't mind turning it up. And I took four. <laughs> He's lucky I didn't beat him. <laughs> you should have started hulking up, Jake. Yeah, there you go. Oh, good watch for the shot. All right, there it is. Snowman retains. Doing the Ollie shuffle. Yeah. And doing the JY thing, too. <laughs> I wonder if he was told to do that. Probably. And Muhammad Ali, as Jake the Snake goes down to defeat. All right. Well, that was that was awesome, um, man. Just what an incredible memory getting to work with a guy that you said yourself you idolized him as, as a kid, and now here you are, well, uh, no think, selling his punches. I, I don't think there's anybody from the '60s and '70s that didn't idolize Muhammad Ali. I mean, let's be real. I mean, if you did this, it's just because you didn't understand it or didn't didn't, didn't watch it. Because mm-hmm. he was just, he was a guy that had that it factor, man. You know, he had that natural charisma that you, he was like a big giant magnet, man. He, if he stood up, you were gravitated right towards him. And if he talked, you listened. And his shit was so good, what are you going to do? Man, so cool that you got to have a really iconic moment with him, especially in front of a giant crowd like Absolutely. that at the Superdome. Uh, did you ever spend any more time around Muhammad over the course no, of your I career? Sure so this was man. the first and only time you got to be around that him. That was it, man. That was it. Man, at least Not you got stuff. that. I've had several interactions with Tyson, quite a few actually. Yeah. But uh, Ali, no. Uh, no. Any any good stories from uh, making the rounds with Tyson or seeing Tyson? Uh, not really. We just talked about you know talked about this and that, and he pulled me aside one time in L.A. and he says, "You and me are just alike. We've been down the same streets. We walked up the same alleys. We've been dirty before." And told me he loved me. Dude, that's you know? incredible. So. And of course, I ran into him again when he's at AEW and all, you know, here and there. And it's all good. We just need people to keep coming back and talking to us. And uh, if you get a chance during the holidays, hit Cameo up, man. I'm doing some good stuff for Cameo. I'll give you a couple minutes, three minutes, and let me give you the best Christmas wish you've ever had. I promise you, I'll do it. That's cameo.com forward slash Jake Snake. You can go check that out. Um, yeah, we're almost out the door here. Just wanted to make another yeah. quick note. You know, I, I brought up earlier um, how boxing and wrestling have helped each other. So get this. It's just really fun and unique. 
how Muhammad Ali tore a page out of Gorgeous George's book. And then mm. when it came to cutting promos uh, years later, guys like superstar Billy Graham and Dusty yeah. Rhodes took from Ali. And then a little bit further down the road, maybe just a couple years later, Hulk Hogan has said that he credits Bill, uh, superstar Billy Graham and Dusty yeah. Rhodes for his style. So this crazy interweaving thread and it continues going today. Just really cool that you got those experiences, Jake. And, uh, and we're giving some really cool experiences here every week on the Snake Pit. Uh, Jake, next week, uh, and I haven't brought this up to you yet, so we can edit this out if you want to. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, for our first episode of 2023, what if we checked out your return to WWE in 2014? You did a little business with Dean Ambrose and then the Hall of Fame. We don't have to. Yeah, we can do that. All right. We're going to take a look back at that period of time. Um, and also, you know, we, we mentioned the Hall of Fame. Jake, your fellow Hall of Famer and friend of the show, Eric Bischoff, just had his second autobiography. Great. Yeah, man. And uh, dude, it does well. Dude, the reaction so far has been incredible. Um, I he's hope doing. So. He's doing something really unique, too, where he's got QR codes that you can scan and they lead to specific interviews to provide even more context on what you're reading. It's a really innovative idea. Yeah. And he's a guy who's accomplished so much in the business. You can get your copy of Grateful Now on Amazon or at Bischoffbook.com. If you have a question for Jake, you can ask it on Twitter at SnakePitPod. Uh, if you want to introduce a fan or, or a, a friend or a family member to the show, maybe consider sending them over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash at snake pit pod. Yeah. Yep. We've got some really cool bite sized samples over there. So if, if anybody's like, ah, I don't want to invest an hour, hour and a half. Okay. Go over there and check it out. We've got plenty of cool clips that show you what our show is all about. And while you're there, like subscribe and hit the notifications bell. So you don't miss any of the new content that we're dropping there. Also, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review on all platforms. Man, that helps us out a ton and, and keeps us going with this, this podcast. It's free on every on every uh, podcast platform. Uh, here's just a reminder. You can get the Snake Pit Pod and all the other shows in our network early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com, starting at just $9 per month. That's even less than 15 cents an episode each month. Plus, tons of bonus content, interactive chats with your favorite hosts and wrestling personalities, and much more. Head over to adfreeshows.com today. Uh, Jake had mentioned the cameo, but guys, you can also get some exclusive Jake the Snake merch signed by the Hall of Famer himself at jakethesnakeshop.com. There's some really cool stuff there, and I know Jake is planning on bringing in some more cool stuff. Yep. You can catch Jake on Twitter at JakeSnakeDDT, on Instagram at JakeTheSnakeDDT, and on Facebook at RealJakeTheSnake. You can follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on Twitter, and you can follow the podcast at SnakePitPod on all social platforms. Jake, episode four in the books. i tell you what, if there's anybody out there struggling with addiction or alcoholism, and you want some help and you're really ready to quit, contact me. I'll see if I can help you out. How about that, guys? Jake the Snake Roberts himself wants to help all, all of you in the way that he was helped. And uh, I, if, if you're struggling, as he said, with alcoholism or drug addiction, feel free to reach out and Jake will point you in the right direction. Absolutely. Good night, right. guys. All right, gang. We'll catch you ne- next time right here on The Snake Pit with Jake Roberts. NMLS number 65084 Equal Housing Lender. Woo! The five-star reviews are in and it's confirmed. SaveWithConrad.com can save you thousands. Jimmy E. writes that we saved his family more than $1,000 a month. James S. says we saved his family more than $1,200 a month. But how much can you save? It's free to find out right now at SaveWithConrad.com. But if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, or even worse, if you're in a 30-year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money, but a matter of how much at SaveWithConrad.com.